Welcome everyone to Shape My Dog. I am Susan Garrett and today we are going to answer the question, Susan, what do you mean by Shape My Dog? Like what is shaping exactly and how is it that a dog or dogs can do that for us? Great question. And by the way, if you have any more questions, please don't hesitate to leave them in the comments on my blog um, or send them to us at wag at dogthat.com. That's that somebody in our customer happiness department will happily forward that on to me. Shaping. Shaping is one of the four ways. I mentioned there's four ways that we can train a dog. We can hope, just hope that it gets better. We can use primarily punishment to say, you know what, you better knock that off and you better stop doing that. We can use lures to get a dog to um, do what we want, or we can use reinforcement-based, game-based training, which is the the big overall name is called shaping. And shaping is not always game-based. That's the difference in what we do and what maybe a more scientific approach to it is. And in science, they call this um, training a dog by successive approximations. Don't turn off the podcast, please. Think of the game. I don't know if you ever played the game um, Red Light, Green Light. No, not um, the hot and cold game as a kid. So somebody would hide something in the room and, and um, that you would move in a direction and they would say, you're getting warm. And if you turn the wrong direction, they'd say, no, you're cold. And then if you turn back in the right direction, they'd say, you're getting warm. You're getting warm. a great game to play with kids. It's just fun. And um, as you get closer, they'd say, you're getting hot. You're getting hot. You're blazing hot. And um, that's how you'd find something. So that, that basically is shaping. Da-da, end of podcast. Not really. That's what I would call linear shaping. That you reinforce, and in the game, in the a hot cold game, you just reinforce by saying you're getting warm or you're getting blazing hot. That you know that's really reinforcing to somebody who's trying to find something. So in that game, it's it's linear. As they take a step in that direction, we just say you're getting closer, 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 closer. Bingo, you got it right. And that's a, the approach that will work in shaping your dog to do something. Um, but there's there's what I call outside-the-box shaping, which is faster most times, more efficient, um, and it's more engaging when you do it right. So let's take a, uh, because I've said what I'm talking about works no matter if you're talking about children or members of your team or if you run a a business, um, you know, people who work with with you, it's all the same, or a sibling or a parent or whatever. You can alter behavior the same way through shaping. So let's take an example that will be universal to everybody. Let's take the example. I know this is dog training, but stick with me here. I will get to how this works with dogs. So let's take an example of you want to teach somebody or inspire your child to, to sweep the floor. I mean, how handy would that be if the kid grew up wanting to sweep the floor? So first way of going about it is hope. So I'm going to set good examples. I'm going to sweep the floor every day. I'm going to hope that someday my kid says, hey, I really want to sweep the floor too. Yeah. How's that? How do you think that's going to work? There's a possibility. If it's genetically your child and they're wired the same way you are, it might happen. There's, there's better ways to go about it. Um, the next way, punishment. Uh, I need you to sweep the floor, and if you don't, you're grounded. Uh, I need you to sweep the floor. Uh, did you... And, so think about using intimidation and punishment 
to get the kid to sweep the floor. I mean, they're your kid. They'll do it, right? But what is it going to do to the relationship you have with that child? And how good a job do you think they're going to do on that floor? And you could say, well, I'll punish them. They don't do a great job. Yeah, you could. But, but do you think that child is going to grow up going, wow, when I get older, I can't wait to sweep my own floor? Probably not. And what do they think of you when they grow up? The next way is to lure. Absolutely. Um, it works great. Hey, if you sweep the floor, I'll give you a candy. If you sweep the floor, I'll give you 25 cents. If Eventually, it, it gets old. It, you know what? I don't feel like having a candy. I'd rather play video games. No, really? Not into. No, you keep your candy. That's good. But what also happens is you establish a relationship of negotiation with that child. So then when you ask them, hey, uh, can you help your brother with his homework? What will you give me? Uh, Can you go do your teeth? Uh, What if I do my teeth, uh, but then I get to play video games? Or so, so it's, there's, you're, you're establishing with your child the way to get things done through you is through negotiation. That is exhausting. I've seen it happen. It is exhausting as a parent. Um, I don't have children of my own. Let me preface that. But I do have a kajillion nieces and nephews. I should know the right answer, but there's a lot of grand nieces and nephews at this point now too. Um, the fourth way, shaping. We could, you know, have the broom there and give the kid, uh, the, the kid picks it up and you could say, oh, that's good. And, or, you, you know, you use a clicker and click and give them a, a candy and then click when they move it and click when blah, blah, blah. That's just straight linear shaping. Here's outside the box thinking shaping. We're going to take the broom and maybe get a little kid-sized broom. And, and outside the box, in my opinion, it breaks behaviors into components, and then it creates uh, desire around each of those components, which come together, create this great behavior. So the first component would be, we want to create value for that broom. Maybe you show the, depending on the age of the child, you could show them how you could, you know, make it into a horse and and gallop around the kitchen. Now, if they're a teenager, maybe this isn't going to be a great approach. Um, You know, you got to think of it... (laughs) um, the, the way that for the age appropriate, I'm, I'm talking, let's talk like a, I don't know, four to six year old or we're going to, we're going to play. I don't know. I love to play horsey around the kitchen with, um, with the broom. So now we've created an interaction that this thing is fun. So next I might take like a tennis ball and I'll get an adult, a, a big size broom and, and I'll, I'll just hit the ball to, to the child and they can try to hit it back. So now they're getting that idea of the action of sweeping that, that broom. You know, they can go on, we'll, we'll do it on both sides to see, see that they're comfortable um, making the action of sweeping on both sides. Now there's value for picking up that broom. There's uh, a fun associated with using the broom. So then the next session out, I might take some I don't, like painter's tape and paint or, or put a little square on the floor. Not a big square, maybe... Um, 12 inches by 12 inches, like a little square. And then put like um, a, bla- a dried, like a chickpea or no, a black bean, dried bean, a dried bean, kidney bean, I don't care what kind of bean, outside of the square, not too far outside of the square, and say, 
See if you can get it in the square. And when the child gets it in the square, that was so awesome. Like a big celebration. You don't need to give them candy. Just a big celebration. Oh my gosh. Games are fun. And then, and then you might move the, the bean a little further out of the square. And the, you make the square, you know, you might make the square like a meter by a meter, like a yard by a yard at first, so that there's, if they, if they sweep too hard and it shoots through the other side, like if it's too small, it's going to be difficult to do that. So let's, I changed my mind. We're making it a meter, a meter. It's a big square. And so when the child get, just gets it in the square, it's a big celebration. And then you might put two or three beans outside the square. And it might be, um, you know, again, when they get them in, you celebrate. And you might, like, high-five them, end the game. And so that you want to end the game when they'll come up, Mom, can we play that sweeping game again? You want to create a desire in the child to want to play. Okay, well, we'll do it later, maybe after homework. I'll, I'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So you create an opportunity now. We're going to play this together. It's bonding. It's fun. You might put the beans further away from that one meter square. And all the while, the child's having fun sweeping these beans into the square. And then what you might do is you might put, you know, eventually you're going to put another square in that square. So, you know, a square that might be like, I don't know, three or four inches by three or four inches. And that's the bullseye. And when we can get the beans in the bullseye, then we'll have a big celebration. You know, maybe then you will give them a reward of, let's have a snack now. Let's end this and have a snack. Or, you know, let's, that was amazing. Let's go out and just reinforce with an activity. Hey, let's go do something you want to do. How about we play a game of catch now or something that's bonding between you. Let's go work on a puzzle. Now we've got a child that has got the desire to want to play the sweeping game. And they want to get it into this small little pile. Does that sound close to what sweeping a floor would be like? So you progress to, you put more beans on the floor and put them in further areas of the room so that they can have success sweeping a big area. Now, if you've got a gargantuan kitchen, just make it half the kitchen for, for the kid at first and then end the game. That's it. Let's go do something fun. So that you are establishing sweeping is fun, doing something with you is fun, and then we get the reward after of doing something else. That is using outside-the-box thinking and shaping to create behavior. And it creates lasting behavior that the behavior itself becomes motivational to do. And you may get a child that went through the time there are four to 10 or 12, they may enjoy sweeping the floor. I'm not promising it's going to hold up through the teen years. I, I got no magic pill. However, I know it will hold up far better than anything else you could ever hope to use to teach a child how to do something. All right. The exact same thing works for dogs. So you get the dog to hold the broom. Just kidding. <laughs> not going to teach the dog to sweep the floor. It, it works the same because you break things down into, um, into, uh, components that the dog loves. They, they think it's fun to do. And then they, um, they, you build the confidence that they can do it 
And then you put those components into bigger, into bigger things. So let me, uh, explain. There was, um, uh, I, I was teaching a, a, a seminar and I said, and I had one of my uh, little Jack Russells there. Um, this was many, many years ago. And I said, I said, um, what you guys pick something you would like me to shape her to do. And it was, they wanted me to shape her to jump up onto something that had a slippery surface. And I said, all right, now you tell me how I'm going to do it. And of course, it was linear shaping. Um, they wanted me to click and reward when she looked at the, the whatever it is I wanted her to jump on and then click and reward when she took a step towards it and click and reward when she took another step and click and reward when she put her paws on the top and click and reward when she jumped up and that would be behavior. That would be linear shaping. I knew with that dog, it wouldn't work. And the reason I knew it wouldn't work because the floor was slippery and she was a little bit worried about slipping. She would not jump off of a slippery floor and the top of the thing they wanted me to jump on, uh, her to jump on was slippery and she, I just knew she wouldn't do it. So I said, I'll, I'll, I'll see what happens. Um, we'll, we'll go through this, but I promise you she, there'll, there'll come a point where you, it becomes obvious she won't want to do this. So we, she got all the way to putting her paws up and then she, when I clicked her two or three times for putting her paws up and then I didn't reward her after the third time of getting a cookie, she then started sniffing and, and, and going in a circle because she did not want to jump up. What I did was I put a, a, um, I put a carpet runner on the floor. I took the top of the table and I, I lowered it and I put another car, uh, t- carpet runner on there and just rewarded her for jumping on it, then put it up there. Boom, she jumped up. It took three seconds when I did it the way I knew outside the box thinking would work versus the linear, which I never got the behavior and it took about three minutes for that session. So that is how we shape a dog. We reinforce responses that they give us that lead us towards the end behavior that we want. Now you're going to, this might be a bit of a mind blow because, you know, I, I don't know how I would get my dog to, you know, bring back the ball if they could go and jump on the couch and you know, there's a lot more to it. I'll, sh- I'll share with you the, the rules of, or the guidelines that help make shaping efficient. Things like altering the environment. So if I wanted to shape my dog to retrieve something, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to do it outside where they can go and run and visit other dogs or pee on a bush. Or I would do it in my bathroom. I call it crapper training. I love crapper training because it, it, it eliminates other options. What are they going to do? They can sniff the toilet. That's it. And, and, and then I have a, this engaged, captured audience. Crapper training. Got to love it. How then, and now I know that how, how shaping works, Susan. How, your podcast is called Shape by Dog. How do dogs shape us? Now, there's the obvious. Any of you who ever owned a dog and, and have been asleep and heard that dog sleep, start to throw up in, on your nice white carpet in your bedroom, you will spring out of bed faster than any alarm clock could ever get you out of bed. You will hurry and try to get that dog off of your carpet so that they can throw up somewhere where it can be cleaned up. Or maybe it, you want to get them outside so you don't have to clean it up at all. And you get reinforced for that behavior of springing out of bed by not having a stain on your carpet or by not having to clean the dog, um, the clean, clean, the clean up the, the vomit, um, if you can get them outside. That's how, as 
pretty simple way how dogs can shape our behavior. And it's not like dogs are strategizing, watch me, watch, watch, watch how I get her out of bed. They shape us by, by helping us be better versions of ourselves. So for example, when I first, my very first dog I ever trained, it was um, one of my, my sister used, used to show dogs in confirmation, like Westminster, that kind of confirmation. And, um, I wanted to shape this, I wanted to teach this dog a trick. And so I bought the book. Um, at the time, I really wanted a, a chow chow. I think I was 13. I bought the book, How to Raise and Train Your Chow Chow. And it was, you use a choke collar and you correct the dog. And that's how the learning happened. So um, that was my early, early um, understanding of how to train a dog. It was, you, you told them to do something, you, you, you pushed up, pulled up on their collar and pushed down on their bum when you wanted them to sit, and then you gave them a pat on the head. There was no food or toys involved. It was just correction and pat them on the head. So it was number two on the ways of, of training a dog. And so I got a job as a teenager on a farm, and they wanted me to train this little... Um, a rough collie. Now, in between those two dogs, we had family pets, and I trained them to do a lot of tricks. And so, with this rough collie, I tried to do the sit with the the way that how to raise and train your chow chow told me. And this rough collie would just roll over and pee on herself. No, I, I don't. I don't know what you're doing, and I don't like that. And so she shaped me to take a different approach because I was having zero after a week. I had no success. So I'm like, well, I know how to train a trick. What if I tried to teach you to sit just by rewarding you with food? Boom. In three minutes, I was able to do way more than I could have done in the last week. I was shaped by dog. The dog's responses shape us to take a different approach. If you're open to that, and that's why I believe that we can become a better version of ourselves, the version we're intended to be by being open to the lessons that our dogs are teaching us. But you need to have that openness. You need to have a be present for the dog. But sadly, what happens a lot of times is there's the excitement of getting a new puppy and they get all this attention. And once they've stopped chewing your furniture and peeing on the floor, they kind of become, sadly, in a lot of homes, like a piece of furniture. Like, you know, I ignore that couch during the week because I'm busy at work and I got things to do at night. But on come Sunday afternoon, I'm going to stretch out on that couch and I'm going to have a great relationship with you. I'm going to watch some football. And it, sadly, that's the way do, the relationship with dogs sometimes gets is I'm too busy. I, I, you know, you're trained, you're not bothering me. That's good. And it, you know, maybe on the second Friday of the month, it's a beautiful day. I'm going to take you for a nice long walk. Hopefully that's not the way your dog lives. Hopefully your dog gets engagement and long walks from you every single day of their life, rain or shine. I used to be one of the People that really didn't, wasn't open to what my dog was, was trying to teach me. And they didn't get walks every day. And I'm happy to say I have evolved because I have been shaped by dogs to be present for all the things they can bring to me when um, I spend time and create this amazing relationship that I have with them on our, 
yes, they get walked at least at least an hour, most days, two hours a day. That is how dogs have shaped my life, and I'm really hoping that you can think of ways that de- that your dog has shaped your life. Now, sometimes dogs shape your life by um, raiding the garbage. So every time you go out, you pick up the garbage and you put it on the counter. That's that's a behavior you wouldn't have done if you hadn't had a dog, right? <laughs> Just prove to you, dogs indeed have shaped your life. That's it for today. Um, Tune in tomorrow. And please, if you haven't subscribed, please hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time I have a new episode of Shaped by Dog. And please, please, please share this with your friends. We'll see you next time.